back a couple of months ago, um, there were a couple of things that I taught either on a Thursday or a Sunday evening that uh, are sort of connected to this this evening, but again, something that over the last couple of days and weeks has just kind of continued to be in the, in the back of my mind, in my spirit, and so I want to I talk to you a little bit this evening. And um, this, is, this is one of those times that I, I actually feel like uh, the setting with the content is a good combination uh, because it will hopefully keep out some of the um, uh, emotion that, that would uh, bleed through if we were uh, in a service tonight on the hill. And uh, I think there's positives and negatives uh, to that. So anyway... Uh, let, let me start with a couple of passages, and um, I will just tell you up front before you jump to any kind of conclusions as to where you think I'm going to be going with this. I think it's a really good chance whatever you may assume is is inaccurate. So I want to read a verse in Hebrews, and then we're going to go to Galatians. And uh, really, it's the it's the passage in Galatians that when you hear it. Um, you've heard it in the last couple of weeks. It's been used. I've used it. Uh, used it the first Thursday night when the brethren were gathered here at my house. But again, not it's not about the context that, that, that we used it that night or what may seem to be the uh, implied context. So Hebrews 13 and 8, and I know many of you probably can just quote this verse. Uh, you may not know the exact reference, but you can quote it. And the scripture says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Now, let me just remind you, as apostolics, we believe that God is one. We believe that uh, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost are are, are not three separate co-equal persons, but one God manifested in those three ways. And I make that point because I think we could also say and be very true to this verse that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and perhaps you'll understand a little bit more in a few minutes why I'm sort of making that distinction um, with not just simply reading the verse as is, but that God is the same. And then let's go to Galatians 3, verse number 26. And again, this is the passage that I think would be very easy for you to uh, jump to conclusions as to where this is about to go, and it's it's not going there. So, uh, stay with me. Galatians 3 and verse 26. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ's, then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And I want to focus 
back on verse 28 in these verses. There's neither Jew nor Greek, bond or free, male or female. And let's let's take those those first two, that first comparison or those first two things mentioned. There's neither Jew nor Greek. Uh, that to me, part of the context of that is when we are baptized into Christ, when we are born again, we we become a part of a new kingdom, and and the culture that we identify with when we are born again should be the culture of the kingdom of God first and foremost. And I want you to think of this beyond race, because again, that's where we kind of tend to go with this verse, and especially these two here. But but I want you to think of it more so from the standpoint of, of a culture and, 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 and what a culture represents. And so... When we are born again, not about the not about the nationality part necessarily, but we come into the kingdom with the culture that we've been raised in. But we are to embrace a new culture, and and there are so many different ways in which that applies. But but again, the culture of the kingdom of God, the culture that is defined by the Word of God, is to be our first and foremost loyalty. Not the world, not the culture of the world. I want to I wanna just bring two terms uh, to, your, to your mind here as a part of a little bit of, I guess, of a foundation of this evening. The first word is, is the word trend. Uh, I, I don't remember how recently it started, but uh, over the last several years, I think maybe... Uh, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, or at least from my perspective, uh, I think Twitter kind of had something to do with this, and 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 the word trending has become uh, a fairly commonly used word uh, these days. Something is trending, and so uh, if it's on Twitter or, or some other form of social media, uh, something that is trending is is basically something that is. Is being talked about. It's it's the it's the focus of of conversation of tweets or posts. Um, prior to that, the word trend or trending uh, trends are are oftentimes a part of uh, finances. If you are a financial investor, uh, you you follow trends. You're interested in trends and. And you follow, or, or you make your decisions for how you're going to invest and what you're going to invest in based on trends. And 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 so uh, a, a trend, according to Webster's, a trend is the prevailing tendency or inclination. It is a general movement, a current style or preference. I want to read those again. A prevailing tendency or inclination. A general movement. A current style or preference. And and maybe I'll focus on that last line. A current style or preference. Something that is trending. It is it is the general movement. It's I think it could also be said as a as the latest fad or the latest fashion it's it's the direction something is moving in it's 
It's the way something is uh, is changing, and so that is the trend. And so again, social media, something is trending. It's it's the it's what's getting attention. It's what people are focusing on, and then. As, as the trend is moving in a direction, individuals decide if they're going to follow the trend. I, I, I really try hard, uh, hopefully they know this, um, and, or maybe after points like this they will appreciate it even more. I, I really tried hard as a dad, especially with my two sons, to uh, respect their um, preferences in fashion. And to keep my uh, my comments to myself about things that uh, they wear and ways they wear things that are extremely different than uh, what we did when I was when I was their age, we we came to the conclusion several years ago. Now I think that it was a much better thing for Angie to go shopping with my sons than it was for me because. Uh, I, I just couldn't quite get over some some things, and uh, so I, I, I rarely, at least in my opinion, I rarely, Nathaniel's hiding behind the monitor, so I'm not getting any help here, um, but I, I rarely make comments uh, when, when they wear something, or again, they wear something a certain way. Um, and I'll just give you an example. Um, I, one of the probably one of the most common ones and current ones uh, is is the length at which um, pants are are worn and uh, the height at which they are rolled up to. If if in the '80s we had worn our pants the way that um, they wear them frequently, uh, we would have been asked. Uh, is is a flood coming, and why are you wearing high waters? And so I guess that's ingrained in me, and so um, that that's why I can't sort of adapt to that. And again, I try to respect because I know uh, my dad did not always um, think that my choices in fashion and style were the best. Uh, and, and so I, 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 I'm trying very hard. I have tried very hard to keep my opinions, uh, my perceptions to myself and uh, respect that um, the same thing I did and in choosing certain things to wear or how I wore them. And my dad didn't quite see it that way is, is now the, the same thing. But, but it's, it's about a trend. And, and and we follow trends and 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 there's some things that uh, are trends is, and I'm not here tonight to just focus on fashion in fact that's not really the the focus but as an example as a lead in uh, there's some things that are fashion trends that I, I don't think there's anything wrong with kind of following them um, I, I don't think you have to just keep the same style of clothing I uh, I, I, I now have ties. I still have a few ties in my closet that um, just a couple of years ago, they were the kind of tie I regularly wore. And now every now and then I end up wearing them and they feel like they are extremely wide to me because I have followed a little bit of the trend of, of ties becoming narrower. 
but again, the, the point is a, a trend is, is something that is a, it's a current direction, a current style, or, and, and, and I want you to kind of underline at least mentally that second word, a preference. So it's a current style or a current preference. The, the challenge, and, and here is sort of beginning to get a little more into the, the, uh, what I feel this evening and want to try to share with you this evening. The, the, the concern, the burden is when we as the church follow trends, when we start taking our cues on what we do and how we do things based on the current trends. Something that's been said for years, I have no idea who the first one that said it was, um, but I have now said it a number of times myself. Our message, our message should not change. Our message should not change. Our methods are not set in concrete. They're not. We, we do things differently uh, in a lot of ways than, than we used to. Let's, let's just take our songs. There are, there are those amongst us that uh, don't do very well with the newer songs, and they want us to, to go back to the songs we sang 15, 20, 30 years ago. Um, so, and so there, there's been a bit of a change in the method. That There's really not a matter of what's right or wrong. It's not a matter of sin. It's, it's really more a matter of preference. And, and so I, I want to be clear that I understand that, that our methods, here we are this evening, if the only thing we could do was gather in a church building or some kind of a facility to, for ministry, we, we, we wouldn't be connected this evening. And so we're, we're, we're allowing a method to benefit us. We're allowing a method to help us. But there's a difference between taking advantage of opportunities and tools and things that are provided versus looking at, and, and I, I really, um, I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there, my, my real, the real focus here is not about the world this evening, even though that could be very easily applied. But, but the concern is when we, and I, I, I want to, I want, by the help of the Lord, to talk to you this evening because I think some of you, uh, you, you've gotten into watching the trends. Let's see what everybody else is doing. Let's see the direction the rest of, of Christianity is going. Let's see the way that, that the, the church world is going. Let's see what the current style or the current preference is. And then let's let's. Let's figure out how to follow that. Let's, let's figure out how that we can stay. The, the, the buzzword of the last several years is the word relevant. How can we stay relevant? So trend, trending is the first word. And then the second word I, I want you to kind of keep in mind here is the word culture. And again, I want to read to you the definition of the word culture according to Webster's Dictionary. Culture is the customary beliefs, social forms, and material traits of a racial, religious, or social group. It is the set of shared attitudes, values, goals, and practices 
that characterizes an institution or organization. And then lastly, it is the set of values, conventions, or social practices associated with a particular field, activity, or or societal characteristic. So let me just go back to that second one. I think that's the one that's kind of probably the most relevant to this evening. The set of shared attitudes, values, goals, and practices that characterize characterizes an institution or organization. So again, going back to Galatians 3.28, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. There is no place, I find no place in Scripture whether in the Old Testament, and we're going to spend a good amount of time in the Old Testament uh, here this evening. In the Old Testament, where the children of Israel were representative of the church, the children of Israel in the natural were a representation of the church in the spiritual. So whether, whether in the Old Testament, we go to the New Testament, the Gospels, the book of Acts, or any of the writings of the apostles, I find no place in Scripture where the church is is supposed to take its cues from the world or from the rest of Christianity. That the trend that we are on or we follow or the culture that we have is not supposed to be determined by what's the latest trend, fad, fashion, concept, or idea that's going on around us. If we were together this evening and I was teaching or preaching, I would probably consider doing this with us together. If I were to say, hold up your hands at the width you think is 12 inches, there probably, especially in a large group, there probably be some people with some hands that are fairly similar uh, the width they are apart. And there may be a few people either by luck or because uh, maybe somebody like a carpenter or someone who has to do uh, uh, measurements consistently for their job, there may be some people that get really, really close. But there's a real simple thing to do if we really want to know the precise width that 12 inches is, all we need to do is get a tape measure. Because if we get the tape measure out, we can clearly see, quickly see, here is 12 inches. It doesn't matter what we all think. It doesn't matter what our opinion is. It it doesn't really matter what our guess is. And here's the bottom line. 12 inches doesn't change because of what we think 12 inches is. It's the same on the tape measure as it's always been. So I don't adjust the tape measure to match what I think is 12 inches, I adjust my hands to match what the tape measure says. And again, this ties in a little bit with some things I've already shared the last couple of months, 
but but I, I am I am I am burdened and concerned that we've gotten into here's twelve inches and the word of God can adjust to what I say rather than me adjusting to what the word says. We we, we are facing things today that to me are some of the I, I, I the, the wise man says there's nothing new under the sun. And, and so I, I have to believe what Scripture says, but there seems to be some things that we are facing in our world in the last couple of years that uh, they, they seem to be some challenges that are, are, are new and intensified. Um, and yet, at the same time, I actually, many of these things, you can go back and throughout history and see that actually uh, we're not facing very many things that are really all that new. Some of the immorality that, that we think we're facing today that is, that, is, that is sort of new and more in our face. Cultures, uh, historic cultures in history uh, have embraced. In fact, some cultures have, have willingly embraced things that today we still are at least uh, as, a, as a great majority struggling to accept that they're okay. And so I've heard people say, I've heard Christians say, that we need to become more mindful of what's going on in our world. And and in essence say, we need to to sort of really look at and study what's going on in our world so that we can adapt what we're doing to fit that. Some of that has to do with the moral moral climate of our world. And and i got to tell you, if the Word of God by itself is not enough, is not good enough to tell us how we should conduct ourselves, and I don't mean, I, I mean that in a broader sense in the context of this, meaning as a, as a church, as a body of believers, if the Word of God does not already have those answers in it, then I don't see how it can be the Word of God. If it is incomplete to address the issues of our day, then there's no way it can be the infallible Word of God. I don't need to look at the trends and the direction of the world's going and by that determine how we as a church should act and think and feel. Because if I will go to the Scripture and truly apply the Scripture... And I know some of that's in the context of the attitudes that, 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 that Christians have exhibited towards uh, certain demographics and certain lifestyles. The bottom line is if you really go to the Word of God and dig into the Word of God, you'll find that there is guidance there on the attitude that you're supposed to have. I don't need the world telling me what I'm supposed to do. I find no place in all of the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, and I find no place in the Gospels which cover the life of Jesus Christ on this earth. I find no place in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John where Jesus was trying to see what was going on, what was popular in the world, and then uh, 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 tailor what He did based on that. I mean, just take his interaction with the Pharisees. He wasn't—he wasn't a—he uh, wasn't a chameleon that 
changed his colors. He was the same. He was the same in the house of a Pharisee as he was interacting with the lowest of sinners. He didn't need, he didn't need culture. He didn't need society to tell him what to do and how to act. And when we come into the kingdom, if we tr- and, 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 and again, the church is made up of human beings. I said this, I think, the two Thursday nights ago. But, but before we get too quick to judge one another today for our struggles and our weaknesses, you need to go refresh yourself on some things in the New Testament. I said it two Thursday nights ago. Peter, the Apostle Peter, the one that was given the keys of the kingdom... He had to have God essentially twist his arm to go tell a Gentile the plan of salvation. He didn't want to go deal with the Gentile. The Apostle Peter. Read some of the things that Paul addressed that were taking place in some of the New Testament churches. Some of the things Paul writes about in, the, in, in some of his epistles, if they were going on in Antioch Central today and somebody outside of Antioch Central got a hold of it, it would be national news. And Paul is writing to the church saying, this isn't supposed to be. This isn't supposed to be going on in the church. So again, before we get... Too quick to judge each other today because of our imperfections and our weaknesses. Go back to the Bible. So, wrong attitudes, wrong spirits, people saying the wrong things does not justify following the current trends. Doesn't justify us adapting our culture to appeal more to the culture of the world. I, I read the verse in Hebrews, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I made the point again that Jesus Christ was God manifested in the flesh. So if Jesus Christ was God manifested in the flesh, then again, I think we can safely say God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I got to tell you, it appears to me that some people do not believe that. It appears by some of the things we hear taught and preached today, that's not the opinion of some people. Apparently, they think somewhere along the way God has changed. And so I want to I take you back to the beginning of Scripture because I want you to see God's perspective on some things. I want you to see some of the things that God said again to the children of Israel who represented the church in the New Testament. Let's start with Exodus 20, verse number 1. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Now watch this next verse, verse 3. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. 
What what is the what is the what is the to me the primary context of that? The primary context of that statement is the children of Israel were surrounded by cultures. They were surrounded by cultures. They were in nations, sometimes because of captivity. They were in nations where it was believed that there were multiple gods. And so Jehovah says, you are to have no other gods before me. We find the same thing repeated in Deuteronomy. No other gods. And you know what? One of the fundamental challenges the children of Israel faced when you read Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, get into uh, kings. The issue was they wanted to be like the nations around them. They wanted to follow other gods. If you have a concordance, don't do it right now, hopefully you're listening and paying attention, but just type in other gods and see how many times that phrase comes up. See how many times it comes up in the book of Jeremiah. Because the children of Israel were constantly following what was trending. They were continually being influenced by the culture that was around them. And the Lord said, this is one of the Ten Commandments, you will have no other gods before me. You don't determine what you believe based on what everybody else is doing. You don't determine how you live based on what everybody else is doing around you. I am I'm the Lord your God, and I don't want you having no other god any other gods, and I don't want you chasing after other gods. I don't want you mixing me, your faith in me, in with your worship and allegiance to other gods. He says in a couple of places, I am a jealous God. Just please, somebody explain to me, how is it that in 2020, God has become so lax and so carefree when thousands of years ago, He said, no other gods before me. I'm a jealous God. Leviticus 20. Verse number 22. Ye shall keep therefore all my statutes and all my judgments and do them that the land whither I bring you to dwell therein spew you not out. I am giving you these commandments to live by because where I am going to take you, if you don't live by my law, not the law of the culture that you will be in, not the law of the land you're going to occupy, not by living, not living by what is trending in the societies you will be in, if you don't keep my statutes and my judgments, the land is going to spew you out. We're, we're in a watered-down world today, watered-down Christian world, and I'm sorry, but the church is getting spewed out. It's losing its impact. 
Because we don't want to be different. We don't want to tell people you got to be different. We want to make it as easy, as comfortable as possible. Verse 23. And you shall not walk in the manners of the nation which I cast out before you. For they committed all these things and therefore I abhorred them. You don't get your direction. You don't get your ideas, your concepts, your your ways of doing things. You don't get them from those surrounding you. You get them from me. But I have said unto you, You shall inherit their land, and I will give it to you to possess it, a land which floweth with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God, which have separated. I want you to get that word. I have separated you from other people. You shall therefore put difference between clean beasts and unclean and between unclean fowls and clean and you shall not make your souls abominable by beast or by fowl or by any manner of living thing that creepeth on the ground which I have separated from you as unclean verse number 26 and you shall be holy unto me for I the Lord am holy and have severed you from other people that you should be mine Verse 24, he says, I have separated you from other people. Verse 26, I have severed you. Now, English-wise, there is a big difference between separated and severed, at least from my perspective. And the word severed, to me, implies a more severe thing. Now, in full disclosure, the Hebrew word is the same for separated and for severed. So while it seems a little bit different in the English, in the Hebrew, it is, it's, it's the same Hebrew word. So I want you to listen to what that Hebrew word means, separated or severed. It means to divide, to separate, to sever. It means to set apart, to make a distinction, to make a difference, to separate oneself from, to withdraw from, to separate oneself unto, to be excluded. I'm just, I, I, my focus here this evening, as is pretty much always the case, is I am ministering by the help of the Lord to the people I am responsible to pastor. And I'm going to say this evening, speaking to the people that I am responsible to pastor, I, 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 I've been in Antioch since 1971, since I was born. And I realized the first, I would say, probably minimum of 15 possibly up to 20 years of my life as I was growing up and, and moving into adulthood. Obviously, uh, my role, my, my place of leadership was much different at that point than it is now. And, and so by no means do I think my knowledge and understanding of things up until probably at least 20 is what it is now. But I'm just going to tell you, 
from my perspective, for as long as I can remember, I have never heard of a time in which so many people are being so vocal about the fact that separation is not necessary. And I got to tell you, it's a really troubling thing when all people want to do is argue against rather than for what the Word of God says. And you justify it by making it to be about a man or an individual. Tell me, please, if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He told the children of Israel, I have separated, I have severed you. Please show me in your Bible when that changed. You are to be set apart. There is to be a distinction now again, I, 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 I preach this, and, and, and if you don't know it, I'll have to go back and get you the recording, because I'm not going to sit here and qualify everything I say this evening. We are in the world, we're not of the world, and we are not here to become some secluded, exclusive group of people. We're not going off to the mountain somewhere and building a compound and isolating ourselves from the world. And there's no room in the church for a pharisaical attitude that looks down on those that are struggling or looks down on the sinner that's just coming in. There's no place for it. But the answer to a pharisaical attitude is not compromising biblical truths. I, I, I didn't, I had, uh, I'm sitting on my stool this evening because my intent was to just talk, but... It's, 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 I feel it in my feet, as Brother Cornwell says. It's kind of like a burning sensation. And I guess to be honest with you, what I'm, I hope there's somebody listening tonight that you have an innocent, pure spirit. And rather than listening to your peers and all of their expert opinions, that somehow you would listen to the one that God at this point has placed over you to be the one that's got to give an account. Your best friend is not, <laughs> Oh my goodness, this is, there's no notes, but it's not in the notes if there were. Your best friend is not the one that's going to stand before God and give an account for you one day. Right. Your buddy that's telling you what you want to hear, that you know what, what the church says and what the church, it's, I just don't think it's... They're not the ones that are going to stand before God and give an account. If I understand the Word of God correctly, if you are currently a part of this congregation... I'm the one that's going to stand and give an account. And I'm not going to give an account over what your opinion is. I'm going to give an account over what I believe the Word of God says. I'm about to put the stool to the side and just stand up and preach. Separated, excluded. Again, not isolating ourselves from the world. Because as I've said now several times the last couple of weeks, and I've said it many times throughout the years, the only hope of the world is the church. But the hope of the world is not a church that's just like them. It's not a church that has no difference. It's not a church where everybody looks the same. It's not the church where everybody has the same lifestyle. You're not to go after other gods. You'll be separated. Exodus 19 and verse 5. Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed, if you will obey my voice, 
Go back and read some of the things that God said to the children of Israel when He was giving them all. If you obey, if you do my commandments, here's what's going to happen. If you don't do them, then here's also what's going to happen. Please tell me when God changed. We've gotten so caught up in the Gospels and the things about Jesus and the things Jesus said, and obviously that's so important, but God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you and I weren't given the New Testament alone. We were given the new and the old to work together. Not to mention Jesus Himself said some pretty straightforward things. If you will obey My voice indeed and keep My covenant, then, notice this word, you will be a peculiar treasure. <laughs> that's something that's different. That's something that's unique. You will be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be a kingdom unto me of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. I know the word separated is not literally in there in the English, but the word holy and to be set apart, that's the same thing. To be peculiar, to be unique. Deuteronomy 14 and 2. You are a holy people unto the Lord. That is a separated, set-apart people. And the Lord hath chosen you to be a peculiar people unto Himself above all the nations that are upon the earth. He has chosen you to be unique and different. And let's just, let's just use the application of this tonight in the context. Let's say that nations represents the rest of the church world. I'm not called you to adapt and be like everybody else. I'm not a, called you to fit in and, and do what everybody else is doing. Turn the lights down and, and, and make it everything dark and, 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 and get some smoke and get the right lights and, and, and all of that. Put a, oh, Never mind. That was almost came out and that was pretty much just flesh. Hopefully the rest of it's not flesh. You're peculiar. You are different. You're not to blend. You're not to be the same. I, was, I, I say this reluctantly. I don't think it's necessarily uh, uh, that I would be violating a confidence in, in saying this, but, but, but I, I had a conversation after service this morning with, with Sister Sherry Hemus' brother. And, and he was telling me some of his own uh, background with, with religion and Christianity, but he was sharing... Uh, about Sister Hemus. And when Brother Hemus first got in the church, he, she didn't want anything to do with it. She didn't want to be a part of it. And, and, and obviously that has changed. And she is all the way in, has been all the way in for, uh, I guess, decades now. Uh, and, 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 and her brother told me, he said, I, I asked her several years later, what happened? What changed that caused you to change? And he said, Sister Hemus, of course, he didn't call her Sister Hemus, but Sister Hemus' response was, I saw my husband become a better man, a better husband, and a better father. She saw a difference. She saw a transformation, a change. Again, 
I, I understand. I, I understand. I've been in this all my life. And I understand there are people that have a wrong attitude and a wrong spirit. And I understand there are people that sit on their high horse and look down on everybody else. But the, the solution to that is not throwing away biblical principles and truths. Right. The solution to that is getting a right attitude and a right spirit. It's like I preached this morning. The solution is not dealing with the symptoms. The solution is dealing with the root of the problem. I know some set-apart, peculiar people that are some of the sweetest, kindest, genuine, most genuine, unjudging people in the world. Don't throw out the principles of separation and godliness and modesty and separation from the world because there are a few folks that are nothing more than Pharisees. As the old saying goes, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. You are a holy people unto the Lord your God. The Lord hath chosen you to be a peculiar people unto Himself. Now watch this, or excuse me, above all the nations that are upon the earth. One of the other translations says He's, he's chosen you to be a flock to Himself out of all of the rest. He's called you out of. Numbers 23, verse number 8. I believe this is Balaam. If you read a couple of verses before, I believe this is Balaam. I believe it's the. I, I, I'm pretty sure it's the scenario here. I was got a little more focused on the verses I'm going to read, but I think this is the scenario where uh, they were trying to pay him to curse the people of God. In verse number eight, he says, "This how shall I curse whom God hath not cursed, or how shall I defy whom the Lord hath not defied?" Verse number 9, For from the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him. Lo, the people shall dwell alone and shall not be reckoned among the nations. He's referencing the people of God. They will not be reckoned among the nations. The Living Bible says, verse 9, this way, I see them from the cliff tops. I watch them from the hills. They live alone and prefer to remain distinct from every other nation. Would to God that we would desire to remain distinct rather than desiring to just blend in. Back to the King James, it says, they will not be reckoned among the nations. Listen to what the word reckoned means, the Hebrew word for reckoned. It's a primitive root and it properly means to plat or interpenetrate i.e. literally to weave or to fabricate. To plait or interpenetrate. To weave. To blend together. To mix together. So Balaam is saying, I, I see the people dwelling alone because they are not blending in with the other nations. They're not mixing. They're not interweaving. They are not taking on the customs of the society, of the culture. 
that they are in. Again, go back to the children of Israel and you will find that one of their continual struggles was wanting to be like the nations around them. They wanted to be like the people in the societies that were around them. And here we are in 2020 and what is going on in the church. The children of Israel want to adapt to the people and the culture and the society around them. I ask you again, when did God change? If to the children of Israel, the church in the wilderness, God says you are supposed to be separated or severed from everybody else, when did it not matter to God anymore? When is it okay for us to watch everything the world watches, listen to everything the world listens, go to the same places the world goes to, wear the same things the world wears? When did that become okay? You know what's amazing to me? I've never one time heard somebody who was in a season of trying to draw closer to God, praying more, fasting more, reading their Bible more. I've never heard one of those kinds of people be the ones that want to argue. I don't think this is necessary. I don't think that's necessary. You know who argues? <laughs> the carnal the ones that are trying to find the lowest level to have to live at. I know this is not what you came to hear on a beautiful spring evening. I can't get away from it. And all I can do is to the best of my ability, because ultimately I have to answer to God for my actions. I've said it the last couple of weeks, publicly and I've said it to a few individuals more than ever do I realize you're never going to please everybody it's an impossibility and I've also prayed several times in the last several weeks in various situations God I I acknowledge that I can be pleasing you I can be doing what is pleasing to you and yet at the same time it displeases people As I've already said, you're not the one that's going to be my judge that I've got to stand before. I've called you to be separated from. I've not called you to be like. I've not called you to follow the trends. or I've not called you to maintain the culture of what I brought you out of. I'm just, I gotta be honest. I'm a human being like the rest of you. And my flesh, my flesh would love to believe that I could have salvation and be on my way to heaven and pay less of a price than what I currently believe the Word of God asks of us. I don't know if you think because I'm the pastor, I'm exempt from what some of you struggle with, but I look at the same videos, I see the same posts on social media, and I see that, and I do like some of you do. Man, is is this really necessary? Is this really what we have? Can we not follow the trend? We not follow what's what's going on in the current Christian culture, climate. Turn on the video of a, 
of some well-known church and compare that, put a, put a video of some kind of concert, rock concert, contempor- or some kind of uh, worldly concert up to it and not tell a difference between the two. And we want to, but our response is we question what we do. All you got to do is study some of the history of the children of Israel. I, I, I was thinking it earlier and I didn't make the point. Is that not the whole reason God gave them a king? They were led by a prophet. They were led by judges. But that wasn't good enough. And you can read it. The Scripture clearly says it. They said, we want to be like other nations. We want to be like those around us. We want a king. God granted them their wish. And look at what it cost them. Look at the direction it took them. Look at the read through 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles and read through the some of the sufferings because they wanted a king to be like everybody else, but it didn't get them what they really thought they were getting. It's a scary thing when you get what you think you want and have to end up living the consequences that it's not what you thought it was going to be. Bought this house two years ago. Many of you know it was built in 1952. To me, there's only one mindset to go into, into a house that was built 70 years ago. There's going to be unexpected issues. <laughs> It may look good cosmetically. It may appear to be good, but there's going to be issues. The good thing about that is when the issues come up, they're not really a surprise. You figured something was going to come up. One of the things that we've discovered in the last year as we've done the addition is I'm pretty sure, and if the, if the walls where the addition, which is behind me, if the walls where the addition went is any indicator, there is literally no insulation in the walls. It's an old house. We went into it expecting it. It's a lot different than the last house we bought. We were... We had the privilege of buying a brand new home. No one had ever lived in it. And you know what? I went into that house with very different expectations. It is a brand new house. It is built with brand new materials. It's brand new windows. It's brand new appliances. And, 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 and everything is brand new. This is going to be perfect. The first December that we were there... <laughs> And I had the heat cranked up because I thought it was all efficient now and we could be warm and toasty. And I opened up the first electrical bill and literally about fell over, passed out when it was about three or four times as much as what the bills had been to that point. I didn't expect that. I wasn't expecting in a brand new house to lay in my bedroom and and in the wintertime the heat that was from the brand new heating system feel like it was not warm. I didn't expect that. That wasn't my mentality going into it. I didn't expect the windows to be drafty. I, I didn't expect the nail pops to come up because it's brand new. Man, the devil knows he's the best salesman there is. He knows how to sell it. 
And he knows how to sell it with telling you all of the potential problems. Again, back to this house, we came in knowing and there were some things that are pointed out. This may be a problem. That may be an issue. Okay, no problem. We're, if that's an issue, we're going to have to deal with it. The, the, the process of the addition ended up costing some more because there were several things that had to be corrected. Okay, you know what? It is what it is. It's one thing when you prepare yourself. It's a whole different thing. The last several years now, we've gotten into using Airbnb. We've used it multiple times now on vacation. And uh, I'd say the higher percentage of the time, it's, it's been okay and it's been a success. But there's also been a few times where we discovered the pictures are not really telling the true story. In fact, several years ago, this was actually not an Airbnb. I'd gotten it on a similar website, and uh, we, we were going to Florida. All of the rights were going to Florida for vacation, and, and we each were getting our own place to stay. And I went on one of those websites, and I found this townhouse, and it was right on the water, had its own pier out on the water. And, man, there were some pictures on there that looked fantastic. We got there and realized... They had zoomed in on the brand new vanity in the master bedroom. They had zoomed in on some of the other appliances that were brand new appliances. They didn't show you the old dirty carpet and the dirty floors and the rooms that were not up. They didn't show all of those things. It was too late. There was nothing to do about it. Nothing to do except keep your shoes on the whole time and rewash all the sheets before you got in the bed. It's not what was expected. I promise you, I promise you, hear me tonight. You start down the path of compromise and it never leads to where you think it's going. The outcome is never... I've said this before, I'm going to say it again tonight. I've watched, I've watched throughout my lifetime, not just as a pastoral role. I've watched in my lifetime, I've watched as people wanted to argue about. I don't think that's, I don't think separation is necessary. I don't think modesty is necessary. And I, I taught it several, I think sometime last year with the ball of yarn. You start picking at one thing, you don't decide where you stop. And I plead with some of you tonight, because some of you, you're still in the season where you're arguing some of the things I just mentioned, and you would never in your mind question that you've got to be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues as the plan of salvation. You would never imagine changing that, and you would never imagine changing that the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost are one, not three. You'd never imagine that right now. But you start unraveling truth and you don't decide where you stop. Deuteronomy 6 and 10. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which He sware unto unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not. I want you to notice this here. The commandments in the wilderness, the commandments that were given to the children of the 
of Israel in the wilderness was not for how they lived in the wilderness. He gave them the commandments in the wilderness so they could know how to live in the promised land. Start over. It shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of good things which thou fillest not, and wells digged which thou diggest not, and vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not. When thou shalt have eaten and be full, beware, then beware, lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve Him and shalt swear by His name. Ye shall not go after, here it is, other gods. You shall not go after other gods of the gods of the people which are round about you. I referenced this earlier, and here's one of the places where it's stated, For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. I ask you again, tell me, please, when did God change? When did He stop being a jealous God? When did He stop being a jealous God that wasn't pleased with us chasing other gods? When did He stop being a jealous God that became okay with us blending in to the culture around us? Please, show not your opinion, show me the Scripture that shows when God changed. I'm concerned that when you get to the blessings that I have, I'm on a, I'm on a, not that I already haven't said a few straight things here this evening, but I want, I'm every, if every young adult and teenager that's watching and listening right now, I, I'm asking for your undivided attention. You didn't pay the price that those that have gone before you have paid. Some of you want to argue and fuss about things that you've got people that paid a price before you for those things. And now you want to get high and mighty and have some opinion. Not Scripture, but opinion. I'm going to say it again. Some of you, I may just make you mad, but my hope is, again, some of you that are you, you are still innocent and pure in your spirit but you got people that are gnawing at your ear hopefully you'll hear me tonight and rather than listening to somebody who's going based on their personal preferences is that again I've, I've said this so many times in preaching is that not the world we live in everybody wants the real, the genuine, but for a significantly reduced price. There are no consignment shops for salvation. There is no eBay where you bid on what you're willing to pay for salvation. There's no Amazon where you search out to find the one that's the cheapest. There's a set price. 
And it's not my right and it's not your right to determine the price. Beware. Beware. I've watched. I, 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 I've said it before. I, I, my, I, at the risk of being too transparent. One of the things that deeply disturbs me, and I've watched it, and some of you are unaware of this, ignorant to it. I don't mean ignorant in a, as, a, as an insult. I mean you just don't know. But I've watched the last 10, 15 years as, as, as uh, churches that have been established on certain biblical principles Anything from salvation, the plan of salvation, to a life of separation from the world. I watched as a new guy has come in and become the new pastor and somehow felt like it was his right to change, to adapt to the current culture. I've been biting my tongue on this for a long for, for a little while this evening, whatever, but Bethel, Elevation, whatever else you want to name. That's not where we get our cues from as to how we have church. We may steal their songs. <laughs> we, may, we may steal some really good songs in an app, but how to do church and how to live life, we're not taking it from them. Right. Terminology and buzzwords, we're not taking them. You're not going to... No, never mind. That's another one. I do have a little bit of a filter. And I do recognize sometimes what's me and not God. Not saying that I don't sometimes still make mistakes, but I do recognize a few things. <laughs> Last passage. I'm going to look for the runway. Jeremiah 6 and verse 11. Therefore, this is Jeremiah speaking, Therefore I am full of the fury of of the Lord. I am weary withholding. I, I'm please, I am in no way putting myself on the same level as Jeremiah. But I hope you will hear part of the context and the burden this evening. What Jeremiah says right here expresses what I'm doing and why I am so passionate. I am weary with holding in. I am weary watching innocent people be led astray by people they trust. By peers that want to find, again, the lowest level of dedication and commitment. And innocent people are having seeds sown into their minds and spirits. Again, this is not the Lord speaking right here. This is Jeremiah. I am full of the fury of the Lord. I am weary with holding in. I will pour it out upon the children abroad and upon the assembly of young men together. For even the husband with the wife shall be taken, the aged with them that is full of days. This idea that a pastor, a preacher is just supposed to be just gentle and kind and sweet and encouraging and uplifting. Again, please show me. I have no right to say anything with the wrong attitude. I acknowledge that. I have no right to say anything consciously with the wrong spirit. I'm not saying that at all. But men and women of God that speak the truth and speak the Word of God in truth is not doesn't mean all they're going to do is tell you what you want to hear or what, the way you like it. 
Verse number 12. And their houses shall be turned unto others with their fields and wives together. For I will stretch out my hand upon the inhabitants of the land, saith the Lord. And go online now and just with simple searches on, on, on YouTube here, some of these ones I have alluded to <laughs> being so wishy-washy on salvation and that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You want to argue about not being set apart, not being separated? That's a part of the outcome. And from verse 13, from the least, for from the least of them, even unto the greatest of them, everyone is given to covetousness. And from the prophet, even unto the priest, everyone dealeth falsely. They have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, Peace, peace, where there is no peace. They, they have healed them by their words. They haven't healed them by the work and the move of my spirit. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. Therefore they shall fall among them that fall, and the time at that at the time that I visit them they shall cat they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. Now watch this next verse. Thus saith the Lord Stand ye in the ways and see. And watch this, watch this. Well, this doesn't, go, this doesn't go with what's trending. This doesn't go with what's trending right now. This doesn't go with the culture and the climate we are in right now. But look at the word of the Lord. Ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein, and you shall find rest for your soul. Ask, not, not what's the new way, what's not, not what's the latest trend, not what's the latest gimmick, not, not what's the latest thing we can do to, to make it easier on the world. Ask for the old paths. I'm not talking about tradition here. I've already said it. I'm not saying that methods are unchanging. I'm not saying that methods can't change. Hear me clearly. I'm not saying that our methods cannot change. But we got to be careful when we start down a path just looking for something new and shiny and cool. Notice he says, he encourages them to ask for the old path. Where is the good way? And walk therein and you will find rest for your souls. But look at the response. They said we will not walk therein. We don't want to go back to the old ways. We don't want to go back to the old past. They're too restricting. They're, 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 they're too narrow. They're too confining. We don't like those old paths. We like the new path of easy believism. Live however you want to live and just stay on your journey. Let me tell you something, friend. If the path of the journey you're on is not straight and narrow, you might want to double check where you're heading. Verse 17, last verse. Also I set watchmen over you saying, hearken to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not hearken. <laughs> I've already said this and I'm going to 
I'm going to contradict what I said. When I read the prophet Jeremiah and what he's saying, I, I, I think I can actually understand when Solomon says there's nothing new under the sun. I, I think maybe, maybe in going back to what I was saying earlier, maybe the issue is now with, with media and social media, with the internet, they're, 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 they're way more visible than they used to be. I think back in the 80s and the 70s and earlier, people, people didn't know what apostolic worship was like. They, they didn't see a demonstrative. If you didn't go to an apostolic service, you, you didn't know what demonstrative worship was like. But they, now there's people that have never set foot in an apostolic service that you can go online and, and not just in an apostolic service, but other types of churches, and you can see very demonstrative worship. And so you, you may walk in to a, an apostolic church the first time and still be kind of wowed and, 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 and afraid by what you see, but it's not completely foreign to you. And so maybe, maybe that's the difference. And, and, and as I, from time to time, think about that verse, nothing new under the sun, I, I usually come back to the same thing, at least internally. Maybe just the difference is it's so much more visible. It's so, much, it, it's so easily at your fingertips. Thankfully, it's changed, and I know there's programming and whatever behind it all that causes it, I guess. And so how it started, I'm not really sure. But I went through a, a, a phase in the, I, I think, maybe even this year, where the, the, uh, the, the Explorer feed on my Instagram uh, was, was, was all of these well-known, popular preachers today. I, I, I just got to be honest and transparent with you as I would every now and then click on some of their clips and I'd watch what they were doing and how they were doing it and watch what they were wearing and, and all of that. There was stuff that began to cause turmoil in my mind and my spirit. So maybe that's really, it's not that there is nothing new, we're just exposed at a level we haven't been exposed to before. We're not here to follow what's trending. We're not here to follow what's trending. We're not here to just figure out what the latest fads and fashions. I'm not talking about the world right now, I'm talking about the church world. What's the latest fads and fashion? What's the, what's the latest terminology? We don't want to call anybody a sinner. We don't want to offend anyone. Again, I am not in any way endorsing a wrong attitude and a wrong spirit. I am not in any way judge, or justifying that at all. If you somehow come away from this and that's your perception, you're not hearing me. At the same time, it doesn't mean where's the new path? Can we walk the new path? Can we can we find a new way? I'm thankful for technology. I, I'm thankful for the conveniences of transportation. I'm, I'm thankful for all of the bells and whistles on the automobiles that I've driven and am driving. I, I, I appreciate I, I appreciate all the, 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 the benefits of the improvements of, of things in this world. 
there's some things that come from the Word of God that they don't need us to improve on them. They don't need us to modify them. So for all of you that think we're facing something new today in 2020, again, I, I, would, I would encourage you, go read a little bit through the history of the children of Israel. Read them wandering from God and God drawing them back and then being drawn away again by the cultures and the societies around them and God having to draw them back. It's kind of scary how easily we can see the, the parallel in the church today to the children of Israel in the natural. But what's even scarier is when we are blind to the fact that what we're dealing with today is not really some new thing. And the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation is full of warnings and direction and admonitions and encouragements. Romans 12, 1 and 2, familiar passage. Many of you probably could quote it. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, perfect will of God. The message Bible says, verse 2, along these lines, don't get so accustomed to the culture of the world that you fit in without even thinking about it. One of the experiences that I think is one of the uh, more neat experiences of my lifetime is when we've been out of town, either when I was a kid or a teenager before marriage, or now it's happened since. It just happened uh, this past winter when we were all of the rights were out in Colorado for, for, uh, Christmas, we went and visited. Focus on the family. We were sitting at um, oh, what's it called? Wits Inn at the uh, the ice cream shop, and there was a what turned out to be grandparents sitting with a mid to late teen daughter. Got in conversation. Because we looked at each other and we recognized, I think we know what you are. We've been in, walking down streets out of town on vacation. People walked up to my mother. I've had them. We've, they've walked up to us on vacation out of nowhere and stopped us. Are you apostolic? It, 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 oh my goodness! <laughs> and we want to fight against being different from the world. I don't know why I have to keep saying this or feel like I have to keep saying this. I am not promoting Phariseeism. I am not promoting looking good on the outside and not caring what's on the inside. If you've heard me preach over the last year especially, you've heard me teach directly against that. I'm not saying that. And yet the enemy wants to constantly fight us. And the scary thing is some of you are listening. I don't want the old paths. I want a new path. I want a new way. 
want a different way of doing it. I want an easier way. I want a more convenient way. As I've already said, you start down that path, the outcome is not what you think it is. I know I've gotten a little, I guess, animated here this evening. I'm not apologizing for that nor for what I've said because to the best of my ability, I have shared my burden and heart and what I feel like the Lord has given me to say this evening. I want to take a moment, those of you that are still watching, and I want to pray and I'm asking you to join me for a moment and pray. Father, You know, you know it even better than we think we know it. The condition of our world, not just our world, but the condition of Christianity and the church. The pressures that we face, and not just the pressure that we face, but the temptation that we face. To want to blend, to want to follow the trends and fit into the culture around us. But God, from the very beginning, from the very beginning of bringing your people out of Egypt, from the very beginning, God, you established with them, they were supposed to be different. It didn't matter where they were. It didn't matter where they were going and including the land of promise that you were taking them to. They were not supposed to become like those around them. They were supposed to be separated severed, set apart unto You. Now here we are today, God, as the spiritual Israel, the church, fighting the same battle, facing the same temptations, being told the same lies by the devil, but thinking somehow we are the first to face it. Help us, God. God, I pray especially tonight for those that in their purity and innocence who are still sincerely trying to find your way, your will, your path, that that there are voices in their life that is trying ultimately by the enemy to derail them. God, I pray that your Spirit would work in their hearts and their lives, that you would give them ears to hear what you say, what your Word says, I pray ears to hear what has been said this evening, but beyond what has been said this evening, God. Ears to hear Your voice speaking to them, guiding them, leading them. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, God put within us a desire that says give us the old paths. Again, not about tradition or ritual or ceremony, but the old paths, the old paths of of, of Your Word, the plan of salvation, the lifestyle we're supposed to live, the, the way we're supposed to act, the way we're supposed to treat others, the, the way we're supposed to be called out of this world, those paths, God, and walk in them. Not abandon them for a modern path that's more convenient, more comfortable. In the name of Jesus Christ, In Jesus' name, Amen.